Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet journalist Will Doig, journalist Anne Applebaum, and the storyteller known as The Captain. These authors have written compelling narratives that combine history and current events. From Will Doig's tracking of China's advances in high-speed rail to Anne Applebaum's examination of how and why democracies around the world are turning toward authoritarianism. And to add a splash of irreverence to the mix, the captain has a few hot takes on history lessons you should have learned in school. Now, listen in to hear each of these authors talk about recording their audiobooks. Enjoy. Hi, this is Will Doig, author of High Speed Empire, Chinese Expansion and the Future of Southeast Asia. I wrote my book because I was a reporter who was covering Asia, specifically urbanism in Asia, and I would make frequent reporting trips over there. This was probably six or seven years ago, and it was before the One Belt, One Road project was really much of a thing yet. And so when I was over there, I would hear people talk about this crazy idea that China had for building a railway all the way from China to Singapore. Now it doesn't seem so crazy because you have the context for it. But at the time, it was like, why would China want to do this? It kind of always stuck in my head, this idea that this is something China wanted to do. And so once One Belt, One Road came along, Suddenly, you know, it made sense because it was part of this larger plan that they had for the world. So I decided to write a book about it. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be thirsty. I realized I had trouble pronouncing virtually every word in my book that wasn't English because I didn't really ever say these words out loud until today. If there's one that I guess I'm most proud of getting right in the end, it would be uh, Huawei Huarin, which means overseas Chinese. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Barack Obama, because he sounds smart. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. The Royal Jingland Hotel, boomerang-shaped and painted gold, presided over the tiny city of Boten like a pair of arms spread wide. Years ago, arriving guests, mostly Chinese, followed a red carpet into its smoky lobby and queued up at a reception desk to the left. After checking in, many quickly made their way to the baccarat tables in the casino. Others were intercepted by the prostitutes who went room to room pitching their services. Out front, electric trams idled near the fountain, waiting to shuttle guests to the city's throbbing dive bars, velvet rope nightclubs, and street vendors selling Chinese aphrodisiacs and pirated DVDs. Hi, this is Anne Applebaum. I was inspired to write this book after I began thinking about a New Year's Eve party that my husband and I gave in 1999, and I reflected on the fact that many of the people at the party had taken such very different political paths in the years that followed, and I began to ask myself, why was that true? Narrating my audiobook was humbling. I kept thinking about all the things I'd like to change, about all the sentences I'd like to rewrite. It was a real experience hearing my book instead of just reading it. 
I realized I had trouble pronouncing some words because they have different American and British pronunciations. And for a long time, I've gone back and forth across the Atlantic, and I do confuse them. I'm excited about the fact that I was able to narrate some of the first-person scenes in my own voice, and I hope it makes the experience of listening to the book more powerful. Just this morning, as I was preparing to come into the studio and record my own audiobook, I was listening to an audiobook recently made by my friend David Frum, who's written a book called Trumpocracy, whose themes somewhat overlap with this one. And probably the most original audiobook I've ever listened to was Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell, in which not only did he read it himself, he used audio clips from interviews that he'd done to make the book. And that, combined with a kind of soundtrack that was also matched to the themes of the book, made it really powerful and unusual to listen to. And now, listen to a clip from Anne Applebaum's Twilight of Democracy. On December 31st, 1999, we threw a party. It was the end of one millennium and the start of a new one, and people very much wanted to celebrate preferably somewhere exotic. Our party fulfilled that criterion. We held it at Chobielin, a small manor house in northwest Poland that my husband and his parents had purchased a decade earlier for the price of the bricks when it was a mildewed, uninhabitable ruin, unrenovated since the previous occupants fled the Red Army in 1945. At that moment, when Poland was on the cusp of joining the West, It felt as if we were all on the same team. We agreed about democracy, about the road to prosperity, about the way things were going. That moment has passed. Nearly two decades later, I would now cross the street to avoid some of the people who were at my New Year's Eve party. They, in turn, would not only refuse to enter my house, they would be embarrassed to admit that they had ever been there. In fact, about half the people who were at that party would no longer speak to the other half. The estrangements are political, not personal. Poland is now one of the most polarized societies in Europe, and we have found ourselves on opposite sides of a profound divide. Hi, this is The Captain, author of Fucking History, 111 Lessons You Should Have Learned in School. I wrote this book starting from a series of Instagram posts that became rather popular on my social media. I always just thought it was kind of cool to learn from the past and apply it to today because we as humans have gone through the same struggles, whether it be relationship or just like life goals, you know, since the dawn of time, basically. So I I enjoyed the idea of taking something that was a boring topic in school. I don't think history is really taught in an interesting way. And I wanted to pull that into the new media of social media and make it applicable to you know everyone's daily life. If I had to describe what it was like to record an audiobook in one word, that word would be painful. It's fun, but there's a lot of work that goes into reading your work over and over and over again, especially when you've lived with it for so long yourself. I was happy to be able to bring it to the masses this way. But I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a painful experience to be in a booth for multiple days. I realized I had trouble pronouncing about a name and every other story in my book. I pulled this book together from world history 
And so it had probably, you know, 12 to 15 different dialects or languages throughout. So I was really relying on the director to help me pronounce some of these languages and names correctly throughout the book. I think for the most part, I'm excited for people to hear a lot of the book told in my voice so they can hear how I intended for a lot of these jokes or one-liners to be perceived. But a story in particular is a story of Edith Wharton that's always been one of my favorite stories. I like how she turns something of real heartbreak into motivation or essentially she put it behind her and just moved on with her life and accomplished just so much for her, her life as an author and a writer and just an individual. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, hands down, I'd want it to be read by Mark Twain. He was very influential to me growing up. My mother and I always kind of shared our love for his books and she got me reading him at an early age. And uh, I just kind of like everything he stood for. I think he was a very intelligent guy that had a lot of satire behind his wisdom. And if I could get Mark Twain to read anything of mine, whether it be a tweet, Instagram post, or a book, that right there would be uh, my dream narrator. The last audiobook I listened to and really loved was The Butchering Art. It's, you know, really about just old Victorian era medicine and how just really fucked up it was. And being a history buff myself, I liked learning about that specific area of history. It was very interesting to me. I prefer to listen to audiobooks when I'm actually doing cardio in the mornings. If I do drag myself out of bed early enough to do that, it's much easier for me to put 45 minutes in on a stationary bike if I can get, you know, caught up in a story and kind of forget that I'm punishing myself. And now I'd like to invite you to listen to a clip of my book, Fucking History. Sometimes you don't want to be the one who gets all the attention because not all attention is good attention. The pharaohs of ancient Egypt knew this and you should too. You see, in order to direct undesired attention towards someone other than the royal majesty, pharaohs required servants to smear their own bodies in honey. And I'm not talking about a quick dab of honey behind the ear. Servants were practically forced to bathe in sticky icky, like a latex bodysuit of bee puke. So, what was the reasoning for the head-to-toe sugary rubdown? Well, it was so that flies and other bugs would land on the servants and not the pharaoh, thus ensuring that the pharaoh always looked fly instead of being covered in flies. Servants were made into literal fly traps. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind the mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com/nextlisten.